As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Hi there, good morning. Welcome to the Daily Football Briefing from The Athletic. It's Friday the 8th of September. I'm Adam Leventhal. Today, no Saudi move for Salah as the kingdom's transfer window closes. It feels increasingly like this is a question of when rather than if. We assess England's selection issues before facing Ukraine. The real issue they've got is in defence. Stones is out, Maguire's not playing for Man United. And we outline the latest information on Manchester United's Anthony. He was removed from the Brazil national team squad and significantly Greater Manchester Police have also now confirmed this week that they're investigating the allegations too. This is the Daily Football Briefing with Adam Leventhal. So, Mo Salah is still a Liverpool player and there was no late transfer to Saudi Arabia after the nation's transfer window closed late on Thursday evening. The Egyptian was subject to a bid from the Saudi Pro League last Friday on the English transfer deadline day, but Liverpool were adamant he wasn't going to be sold. There was a chance he could have still gone to Saudi Arabia with their window open, but it never came to fruition. The Athletics' Oliver Kay has written about the disruptive influence of the Saudi Pro League during this transfer window with loads of inside details, and you can read that this morning on The Athletic. He joins us now. Oli, first on Salah, did the link feel like a a warning shot for January rather than a, a genuine attempt to get him? Oh, it was it was definitely a genuine attempt. That has become clear. I, I don't know whether they ever were totally confident that they would get him, but I think there was certainly some belief and certainly some encouragement that they got at some point at the end, uh, over the course of the summer that led them to um, make that bid just at the end of the um, you know the Premier League transfer window last Friday. And it feels increasingly like this is a question of when rather than if with Salah. He almost certainly will end up going there. That There might ultimately be a sort of acceptance of that at Liverpool, whether it's next summer or, or whenever. But it, it it makes you think, could they have got this moving earlier? Could they have, could they have got into a position where they were bidding for him at the, at the start of the summer and when Liverpool had time to plan? Or if he is suddenly coming around to the idea or they've had reason to think he might be coming around to the idea, is that largely on the basis of the success they've had already? 
and you know, in signing players like Neymar and you know Fabinho and Henderson and Wijnaldum, his former Liverpool teammates, all these all these great players, Benzema, etc. And moving away from Salah, what were the main things that you learnt from the contacts that you spoke to about how the Saudi Pro League attempted to lure so many big names away from their clubs? It became clear to me, speaking to various people and agents and league officials and so on, that there were almost two markets. One was a market where agents, sort of little-known agents in Saudi Arabia or, or in Dubai or elsewhere in the Middle East, were taking it upon themselves to sort of appoint themselves as intermediaries on such and such a deal, approaching whoever they could find, basically, and, and trying to trying to line up players. And those aren't the deals that generally ended up happening. The ones that were signed were approached and lured in a fairly sophisticated, strategic way. And obviously, the the money on offer is huge, but um, I'm told in some cases it isn't hasn't been absolutely as huge as 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 is as is written. And just finally, do you feel that it's a runaway train now? Is is there any way that the Premier League or any of the other big leagues can actually stop it from going from strength to strength? I mean, what has what has stopped previously sort of out of control looking spending before, whether it's Chelsea under Abramovich, PSG under Qatar? Manchester City and Abu Dhabi, what stopped it is financial regulation. And you can't do that in Saudi Arabia because Saudi Arabia is its not party to European regulations, um, European football regulations, UEFA jurisdiction, etc. And, you know, in terms of any issues over state ownership, the whole model is state ownership. You've got the four biggest clubs of been transferred to the ownership of the public investment fund, which owns Newcastle, the, the sovereign wealth fund. So, it's you know you're not going to curb it on that kind of objection. What happens if they come for you know the real stars of the Premier League, the real sort of stars who are at the peak? I think I think there are real concerns to the Premier League, and I, I just would say that in terms of how we discuss it from a Premier League perspective, it, it's you know we should have a bit more self awareness of just how damaging the Premier League the Premier League's sort of financial dominance can be at times in the transfer market. Ollie, brilliant. Thank you very much indeed. And make sure you check out that piece on the Saudi Pro League and this transfer window on the Athletic. Now on to England. They travel to Poland today to take on Ukraine, who are still unable to play in their homeland due to the ongoing war with Russia. England have a 100% record in qualifying after four wins from four. They've beaten Italy, Ukraine in the reverse fixture, Malta and North Macedonia. Gareth Southgate will be speaking this evening ahead of Saturday's game. Tim Spears is already in Poland for us. He joins us now. Are we expecting Jordan Henderson's presence in the squad and some of the contents of that exclusive with David Ornstein and Adam Crafton for The Athletic to be discussed in this news conference? I'm almost certain what it will. It will be brought up with Gareth Southgate. He'll speak to the media on Friday evening at the stadium ahead of the game on late Saturday afternoon. And yeah, it's um, it's not something that Southgate will want to be talking about. It's a distraction, but he'll know full well what's coming. As for his presence in the squad, I can't imagine for a second that Southgate called him up knowing full well the fuss that it would cause if he wasn't going to play Henderson and if Henderson didn't have a future with England. I mean, part of that is definitely down to a dearth of 
options. It's a shame that Trent Alexander-Arnold is out because in the games in June, people might remember uh, he looked great in midfield, albeit only against Malta and North Macedonia. You'd imagine Henderson will start this game, I would have thought, alongside Rice and alongside Bellingham. But it is interesting that Henderson's been called up, but Southgate generally has a no-championship rule when it comes to call-ups. He has made an allowance for Henderson, having watched the three games uh, that Henderson played for Al Etifak before calling him up. So yeah, um, I'm sure he'll play. I'm sure he'll be desperate to do well, Henderson. And I suppose the different end of the spectrum from Jordan Henderson, controversy about his inclusion, no such argument about Jude Bellingham, who has been running things in La Liga since his arrival in Real Madrid. He really is at the top of his game already and still only 20 years old. It'll be a joy to see him in an England shirt again, won't it? What a moment for him to, to sort of come back into the England fold. He hasn't actually played for England since March. He missed the June internationals with a with a slight knock and was finalising his Real Madrid move uh, right at that time. So Southgate will be delighted to have him back. I mean, it doesn't feel like that long ago that Jude Bellingham was, was on the fringes of this team and we were wondering if he was even going to be, you know, in the start 11 for the World Cup. But in a very short space of time, he's gone from, you know, a very promising youngster who may or may not play for England at the World Cup to basically a guaranteed starter who happens to play now for the biggest club in the world. You know, five goals in his first four games at Real Madrid, but also the way that he's been a leader and an instigator in that squad and seems to be right at the forefront, not just with his goal scoring, but with his sort of attitude and his character. So I think we'll really now see him make that step up with England to become a senior figure. Um, and you know, basically be one of those that leads them into the Euros next summer. And away from Bellingham, what would you say are the main selection dilemmas for Gareth Southgate with that game against Scotland on Tuesday also to come after Ukraine? The real issue they've got is in defence. Stones is out, Maguire's not playing for Man United, Mings is injured, Dyer and Cody are out of the fold at the moment and Ben White doesn't get picked. So you've got four pretenders in the squad for one of those centre-back berths and that's Colwell, Tamori, Mark Gay and Lewis Dunk. So a huge opportunity for one, two or more of those in the next few, um, in the next couple of games. With Maguire not playing at Man United, there's an opening there for someone if they can, um, if they can really push through. So yeah, a big, um, a big few days for those four players. Tim, thank you very much indeed. Extensive coverage of England and many more of the teams playing in this international break on The Athletic. You're listening to the Daily Football Briefing from The Athletic. Now, the Manchester United winger Anthony is in Brazil, but he won't be featuring for the nation in their World Cup 2026 qualifier against Bolivia, having been dropped earlier this week following allegations of domestic violence from his former partner, Gabriela Cavallin. Since the recording of this episode, two more women have come forward alleging they have been assaulted by Manchester United and Brazil winger Anthony, according to reports in Brazil. The Athletics' Mark Critchley has been covering this story and he joins us now. Mark, just explain a little bit more background to how we've got to this point. Yeah, so this began in June when reports emerged in Brazil claiming that Brazilian DJ and model Gabriela Cavalin, uh, Anthony's former partner, that she had filed a police report alleging that he had attacked her on several different occasions. Now, these incidents ranged between June of last year when he was still an Ajax player to May this year. Cavallini alleges that that on one occasion in June 2022, she was forced out of a nightclub by Anthony and pushed into a car. This was while she was pregnant and she later suffered a miscarriage. She alleges in January of this year that Anthony attacked her in a room in a Manchester hotel where he punched her in the breast, causing her silicon implant to flip over. And she also claims that she suffered a cut to her head in that incident. She also cites two more alleged attacks in England. 
Anthony denies all the allegations. He released a statement in June when they initially emerged calling him a false accusation of aggression. And then the story really progressed this week when Kavalin gave an interview to Brazilian outlet UOL revealing further details which about these um, alleged attacks which were supported by WhatsApp messages and images. Now, Anthony's reiterated in a new statement on Monday night that the accusations are false. He said that he provided due clarifications to police and authorities in Brazil. But following these latest allegations, uh, he was removed from the Brazil national team squad. And significantly, Greater Manchester Police have also now confirmed this week that they're investigating the allegations too. And what have Manchester United said about this? So United didn't make a public comment on the allegations when they initially emerged in June. But on Wednesday, they released a short statement which said that they acknowledge the allegations made against Anthony and they note that the police are conducting their inquiries. They said that they're taking the matter seriously and that they understand the impact the allegations will have on, on survivors of abuse. United have faced calls from domestic abuse charities to suspend Anthony, but that statement on Wednesday stops some way short of that. And another key point in this in this case, really, for United is that Cavalin said that a United employee called Daniele was responsible for sending two doctors to treat her after the incident at the hotel. United have since confirmed that this relates to Daniele Bertoli, who is a first-team player care officer at the club. Now, obviously, the involvement of a member of staff raises questions about how much United knew about the situation at the time that it happened. But in a statement, United said any suggestion that the club covered up these allegations is categorically false. Obviously, this is a developing situation. What are we expecting to happen next? Now it's really with police in Sao Paulo and in Greater Manchester to continue their investigation into into the claims. Anthony still currently in Brazil, having flown back to be part of the Brazil squad that he was removed from. As it stands, as I say, he hasn't been suspended by United. And when we asked United, they declined to comment. Uh, when we asked if their position would change if he were to be arrested. So as it stands, he's set to return in time for United's next match, which is at home to in the Premier League against Brighton and Hove Albion on the 16th of September. Aside from the World Cup 2026 qualifiers, there are seven Euro 2024 qualifiers on Friday, including Cyprus against Scotland, Croatia, Latvia and Slovakia, Portugal. They can be seen on Viaplay in the UK at 7.45. Spain, Georgia comes before that 5 o'clock in the UK or 12 midday Eastern time on Fox Sports 2 in the US. England, Ukraine is live on Channel 4 at 5 o'clock in the UK or Fox Sports 2 midday Eastern time. And if you fancy seeing Mo Salah in action, for Egypt against Ethiopia in an Africa Cup of Nations qualifier. That's on Be In Sports, if you can get that. Five o'clock UK or midday Eastern time. We'll be back on Monday. Tim Spears will be back on duty on the Daily Football Briefing. I've been Adam Leventhal. Your producer was Mike Zimmerman, executive producer Ben Green. If you can press the follow button on your podcast app, that would be much appreciated and spread the word about the show. Plenty more on offer as well on the Athletic Football Podcast feed for you from the past week. And today, just dropped, it's the weekend preview with me. Take care until next week. The Athletic.